praise him and it's our joy to do so let's sing together in the good in the bad times in the shine
Thank you. 
tell you real quick, my eight-year-old is my baby. And that's hard to believe that she's not itty-bitty anymore, but she's still my baby. And lately, she's been doing this thing where she, she wants to be picked up, like, all the time, which seems really odd to me. It's coming out of nowhere. But it's just kind of come upon me that, that this isn't going to last forever. And she wants to be held. And as many times as I can say yes, I'm going to do it because I know that I'm not going to regret that down the road. But it's made me think of this posture of just open hands and looking up and how sometimes maybe like if you're if you're not familiar with this act of raised hands in worship maybe that can seem a little odd to you but when I think of it in relation to to my little my baby reaching her arms up to me saying I need you mom or I need you dad I need your comfort and I need your security and I need your love and I know I'm gonna get it from you and that here on this earth that's what I can provide for her right Um, and this is what we do for our heavenly father when we raise our hands we acknowledge you're greater right as we're just saying in that like he's the one that made the heavens and the earth you're greater than I am Lord and that's what our raised hands say in this next song we're going to sing Lord I need you and there's not one of us that can stand here and say that we get our righteousness by ourselves, not one of us. So our raised hands signify, you're my defense and you're my righteousness, Lord, that I can stand before the Father and be bright in his eyes. So think of that, church, and maybe it's a little uncomfortable and maybe this morning's the morning that you break past that barrier of not caring what the people around you think about your raised hand, but that you become vulnerable enough to say, yeah, my own pride is not going to stop me from shouting out from the rooftops. I need the Lord. Let's sing this prayer. Lord, I call and I confess bowing here oh, I find my rest without you oh, I fall apart you're the that guides my heart. 
Lord, we have, we have sung this morning of our need for you. And God, sometimes it's easy to go about our week and forget. We're forgetful humans. But Lord, it just evermore shows that we need you to remind us of our need for you. And God, I just pray, Lord, that this would be a song that's just stuck in our minds throughout the week, Lord that you would bring it to our mind when we need it most, when we need that, that prick of the Holy Spirit that, that shows us, points us back to you and your heart and reminds us of the righteousness that we have because of Jesus and only because of the blood that he poured out for us on the cross, Lord. And, and because of that, then we get to go about our week learning what it means to be children of God. To you as Abba Father, and we, we trust you, and we are secure in your love, and, and we know that you will lead us right and lead us well. Lord, here now in the remainder of this service, we ask that you would help our hearts to stay open to you and the way that you would move through the words that Pastor Brian um, is going to bring to us through you and your Holy Spirit. Lord, move us, shape us, make us more like you, God. This is our desire. It's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray these things. Amen. Looking forward to just sharing God's word with you today. Last week we talked about how our words matter, how our words are intended to, to build and lift each other up. Now, if we're not careful, uh, we, we can speak words in the lives of others that tear them down. And it was a simple message because James does a really good job of, of putting it in a way that we understand and that's, that's one of the beautiful things about the book of James is it's very practical, it's simple. He says what he wants to say in a way that we don't really have to do a lot of work. He does the heavy lifting for us. And today's message is very similar. It's one that uh, resonates with me in a lot of ways. I can go back to my life in so many instances and, and, and different experiences, and I can see where this particular, these particular words of James, God has been trying to get my attention and the title of what I want to share with you is called I Hear Voices. And we have a lot of fun with that, especially this time of year. But uh, it goes back to an old TV show or a movie. And I'm now at the age where my favorite TV shows from when I was younger, my younger years, are getting to the point where they're past syndication. And they're now on the oldies channel. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. I, I like the channel MeTV. It's one of my favorite channels. Uh, it, and not all the shows on there are black and white, by the way. My kids might argue otherwise, but, but I'm not quite there in that generation. But there's a lot of television shows we remember as kids that would kind of resonate and speak to us. And I remember a show when I was growing up in the 90s, um, about 30 years ago, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, called Herman's Head. Anybody remember Herman's Head? I may be the only couple of us remember a show called Herman's Head. And Herman's Head was a show that... Um, Sounds like it should be in black and white if it's that old, but it's really not, it wasn't in black and white. But it was about a man named Herman. There you go, very good. Uh, now, Herman was not the noblest of characters, didn't have a lot of great characteristics, but the show would follow his exploits from the perspective of the conversations that occurred inside his head. Now, the scene would look similar to an attic-like club where there was four characters that resided in Herman's head. There was Angel, who represented his sensitive side or, or his naive side. There was Animal. He was driven and motivated, but it was also the stupid side of Herman. There was a, a character called Wimp, who represented his anxiety, who was also his decision maker. 
And then there was genius, who represented his intellect and his logic. And working together, these four characters would help Herman navigate uh, the situations and challenges he faced. Now, it was a sitcom, so you can imagine how some of these uh, situations unfolded. There's only one episode, though, in in the entire um, year and a half that Herman's head ran, (laughs) where God shows up. It's the only episode where we see Herman deal with guilt, or even the concept of accountability. It's a unique perspective. And the show was done in a very unique style called a Greek chorus style. We won't get into that today. But Herman would have all of these conversations dealing with right and wrong, dealing with what he should and shouldn't do. And it reminds me of the conversations that we are still having even today, those dialogues that happen and go on inside of our heads. Now today we're going to talk about two truths. And James opens them up for us in chapter 3 of verse 13. He asks us this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? And, and, and that verse opens up this idea of, of, of two truths we're going to talk about today. The first truth is that there are two types of wisdom. There's wisdom that comes from heaven, and there's wisdom that doesn't come from heaven. Wisdom that comes from earth. The second truth is these two types of wisdom cannot be blended or mixed together. So those are the two truths that we want us to understand. We want to set the table, so to speak. So with those two truths in mind, now we ask the question that James asks his readers of his book, who is wise and understanding among you? Think about who you might consider to be wise in your life. Who is someone that you turn to for advice when you're facing a situation that you just don't know how to get out of or how to work through or what you should do? We all have that person or persons that we go to quickly, often, for answers, for help. That one who's been there, that one who's modeled in their own lives, or that one who's been through a similar experience, we go to them for help because they understand. And we see that wisdom is not something that often comes natural or often comes easily. It's something that we often have to experience. But it's also something that is modeled for us if we look into God's Word. Go all the way back to Matthew chapter 4. We've talked about this before. But Jesus, as, as he has baptized, the, the God speaks and the heavens open up, says, this is my son whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit comes and leads Jesus out into the wilderness. For 40 days he goes and he fasts and he prays, he's tempted by Satan, and he's led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's come upon him, and now the Spirit is leading him. And what we see in this account in Matthew chapter 4, that Jesus is modeling for us what the Spirit-led life looks like. And the wisdom that Jesus then comes away with is threefold. It begins with this idea of God the Father, who's showing his love for us by sending his one and only Son. Uh, It's followed that up with the laws or the boundaries that God has given his people and how to live in in relationship with one another and with him. We now see it lived out in Jesus the Son, who teaches us how to apply what it is that God has taught us and wants us to do. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon and guides and directs the one that whispers in our ears. Now, let's always know that Jesus was always spirit source, being part of the Trinity. But God does this for our benefit, so that we would recognize and see how it is that we're to live life. And we don't know what the answers are what we're supposed to do. We know who to go to to get the answers. So who is wise and understanding among you? James continues with the answer. Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Now, James is, is not all about deeds, but he understands that faith, true faith lived out is shown by our deeds, by how we treat one another, how we talk about each other, how we respond, interact with each other, how we love one another. So James says, if you're wise, if you think you're wise, show it. 
If you think you're a wise guy, prove it. Show it by your good life, by the deeds done, that's why I miss this part, in humility. We're sometimes really good at deeds. You're like me, I'm, I'm a list person, I like lists, I, I like little post-it notes, I have my post-it note of lists, and the lists help me get things done. And, and it's always a good day when I can look at my list and I've got seven or eight things crossed off. Now, in a typical day, I've got seven or eight more things that have been added to the list. The list never goes away. Well, but by checking off the list, I can feel good about my day. But if I'm just accomplishing tasks that's for my own benefit, then I'm really not getting anything done or I'm not doing it in a wise way. God says, may your deeds be done in humility. Humility is what shows the wisdom, whether it's present in our lives and whether it's not. See, wisdom is not shown by what we say, but by how we live, by what we do. There have been a few moments, and, and I'm not sure where they're coming from or what people are hearing, but they, they've referred to me as wise. And, and I don't know if it's because of my experience or my years or, or both or my, my, my shiny spot on the back of my head. I don't know where that wisdom, idea of wisdom comes from. But I don't want to be defined by my words, instead by my actions. How we love, how we respond, how we interact with others, how we deal with situations, difficult situations we might be faced with. And then James continues. There's this interesting dialogue, these words that he uses, it, they don't seem at first to fit together, but if you pay attention to what he's saying, it really does start to make a lot of sense. Verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote unquote, James uses, does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. In other words, it's from the devil. If the wisdom that you are holding on to is being birthed out of envy and selfish ambition, don't be bragging about it. But also, don't, don't ignore the truth he's saying. Such wisdom does not come from heaven. Now, that seems like an odd change of direction. First, he asks the question, who's wise among you? And he's talking about envy and selfish ambition. How do those two things work together? Well, now James is speaking directly to the voices in our heads. He's responding to those influences in our lives, those things that we let kind of dictate the decisions that we're going to make. Now, never before in the history of mankind have you ever had more voices speaking to us than we do in today's society. Every day, we have hundreds, not thousands of voices whispering in our ears from television commercials, from, from, from fast food restaurants, from, from everything that you would want to buy. It's always out there in front of you telling you that you need this. That happiness is going to come if you just buy this breakfast sandwich, or if you just go to this restaurant, or if you just have this cup of coffee, or if you just own this car, or if you just buy the, this phone, whatever it might be, this is what's going to make you happy, and you're wise if you invest and engage in it. Perhaps your leanings are more on the side of, of, of what's going on in our, in our world, in our capital, in our government. You can find all kinds of voices that will whisper to us what's going on and what should be going on or what we shouldn't do, shouldn't do. And if you don't like one voice, you can just change the channel and find another voice. We're, we're always able to find a voice that speaks to us, that resonates with us, that tells us what we want to hear. But is that wise? If you don't like this social media platform, you can try another one. You can go from Facebook to, to Instachat or Snapgram or whatever you might want to do in between. And, and, and I'm not sure how those things work together. But there's voices out there always vying for our attention Trying for our hearts, trying to get into our heads. So James is saying, be careful. Don't let jealousy influence the voices that you hear. Now, why would jealousy influence that? Well, if you see something that your neighbor has, then you'd like to have the same thing. 
all of a sudden you've got this voice whispering, well, you deserve it. You can go get it. Who cares if your credit card's overdrawn and if you can afford it? Go ahead and go buy it. You should go do that. And James is saying, well, that might not be wise. If, if you're responding and making decisions in your life or in your family or in your home because of jealousy, because you're envious of what someone else might have, James says, slow down a little bit. Be careful. He says, or if it's selfish ambition. Now, ambition itself is not a negative thing, but selfish ambition, that ambition that's solely upon lifting up yourself, putting yourself in this position of, of, of posture, or this posture, position of power, of authority, uh, of caring for yourself, of wanting to make yourself happy. We'll get into that in just a little bit. James says, if that's your motivation, if those are the voices in your head, James says, be really careful, because this is not heavenly wisdom. It's not wisdom from above. This is unspiritual. And James said, this is wisdom of the devil. Remember grandma saying, well, that's just of the devil. You got to run away from that. And she's right. Instead, what we find today is we have a culture running towards it. Wanting to hear those messages and absorb those messages and take them in. So we have to ask ourselves, church, what voices are we listening to in our heads and our hearts today? To be reminded of our second truth, you cannot blend or mix the two types of wisdom. Either your life is pursuing heavenly wisdom or it's pursuing wisdom that is birthed in envy, selfish ambition. Then he continues in verse 16. Kind of gets to the explanation. Okay, he's given us what we shouldn't do. Now he tells us why. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Wow. Let's not forget that the birth of all sin is selfishness. This desire to meet our selfish needs. So God, James is saying if it's envy and selfish ambition that that is where you find your wisdom, then, then eventually you're going to find disorder. Another word for disorder in other translations, we see the word chaos. James says if envy and selfish ambition are, are your motivations for the wisdom in your life, for the voices in your mind, your life is going to be filled with chaos and evil practice. Think about that for just a moment. All of the voices, more than ever, more than ever, more voices than ever speak into our lives. And here's what this looks like in our culture today. Well, what's true for you may not be true for me. Or that might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. Or, or you can believe what you want to believe, but I want to believe what I want to believe. And in the name of tolerance, we're, we're going to learn to have different viewpoints of what's right and what's wrong. And if we, you have this own personal truth for your own life, let me tell you right now this morning that that itself is a lie. There's no personal truth. There's only one truth. It comes from here. If we're making it up as we go, or, or trying to find a way to make it fit into their lives or the way that we want them to be, the way look, ah, sorry, we want to look the way that we want it to look, and we're lying to ourselves. Go back to where he says in verse 14, denying the truth. James is saying, be careful, church. And here's what happens: is we're really good at justifying. We're rationalizing. And, and I wanted to pause for just a moment and ask this question. It's a little bit out of order, but, but this is kind of where I think God wants me to put it. Think for just a moment of a truth that you know that's in God's word, something that he's commanded and told us that we should do. Got one in your mind? I think you do. Let's put one on your heart. Okay, hold on to it. How many times have you pushed that aside or had a conversation with God where you said, well, Lord, that really doesn't apply in this situation? It's really not what's best for my family now. I'm sure you understand, God, if I put that off for a little while. 
We don't admit those conversations, that dialogue we have with God. We just get to the place where we silently or subtly kind of push it to the background. And then what we're doing in that moment is we're grabbing hold to our earthly truth, our earthly wisdom. We, we've, we've now given in to selfish ambition, pushing aside what's true in God's word for our own benefit or for what we want. And out of that comes all of this, these different ideas, these different truths, these different voices, these different ways of living life, and we end up with chaos. Who would look at our culture today and say it's not chaotic? It, it, it's not broken. It, it certainly is. We, we live in the evidence of it every day. We tend to, out of selfish ambition or envy of what others have, we allow these voices to speak into our lives. Often in, we have different voices for different parts of our lives. We mix them up and we end up with chaos and we end up with ourselves in the middle and not God. So James is really asking a really serious question. Who among you is wise? Who among you are you listening to? What voices are guiding and directing you? Now, Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But he says, instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. When it comes to wisdom, we want to make wise choices. We want to stay in the, in the center of God's will for our lives. How do we do that? We be transformed. We pay attention to the voices that we're allowing to speak into our lives. You've heard me say it once, and you hear me say y'all say it for years. There's a lot of big buts in the Bible. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven. Now we should pause. Our ears should perk up a little bit. But for many, ah, I know what James is gonna say. He's gonna want me to quit doing A, B, or C. You know, he's gonna want me to give up this that I really like. He's gonna want me to start changing or giving or doing things that I really don't want to do. When we hear this verse, instead of listening, we kind of tune it out. But what James writes is the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and it's sincere. And James gives us this list of, of measures that we can look at and, and, and put the voices that we're hearing in our heads and put them up against us. Do they match this list that, that James has given to us? Are they pure voices? Are they peace-loving voices? Are they voices of division or dissension? Are they considerate? Are they inconsiderate voices? Are they submissive? Ooh, that's a big word. Hard word. Are they full of mercy? Full of grace? Are they, are, are, is it wisdom that's going to bear good fruit? Are they voices that are fruitful? Are they impartial? Are they genuine? Pretty good list for us to lay next to the voices in our minds and our hearts and our lives. The ones that don't match up, here's the hard part. We need to get them out of our heads. We need to get them out of our lives. And that might require for us to make some changes and to, to live life a little bit differently, to do things in a different way. We're talking about life hacks, simple and effective ways to, to live life spiritually. And we've been online, we've seen these social media life hacks, but you know, there's some, if you watch, they're actually kind of dangerous, or, or stupid, or both. Uh, there, there's even fake hacks. You might see, oh, that looks really fun, but it's a fake hack, it's not even real. One that I saw this week was how to make um, your own hot glue gun at home. There's always a disclaimer, do not try this at home. But they're doing it online so that you'll try this at home. Let me caution you, do not go make your own hot glue gun at home. It's a recipe for disaster. 
what is our life hack today? What's our takeaway? What are our needs to do? What do we need to do out of this? Well, there's three things. Uh, we've heard of stop, drop, and roll. And I think that's great advice if you're ever on fire, to stop, drop, and roll. Although I think it's advice for more of those that are around you than for you. Because if you're on fire, you're not really thinking about stopping, dropping, or rolling. But maybe someone around you does remember what's going on, and they try to help put the fire out. But now instead we have three words. It's stop, look, listen. Today. Stop, look, and listen. Stop. Stop for a moment. Care about the one next to you. Care about the one behind you, the one beside you. Care about others. See, our immediate response to, to our needs in life, left to our own nature, is selfish ambition. So when James wants us to uh, be cautious of not being envious or be motivated by selfish ambition, this is what he's speaking to. Stop. It's hard to be motivated by self if you're caring for others. If you're thinking about others in a moment, it's hard to put yourself first. So our immediate response, selfish ambition, is to stop and care, to stop and serve. And this first step towards wisdom Helps us to stop focusing on ourselves than to put others first. Last week I found a gift in my mailbox in the office. And I, I get those from time to time. And I used to get frustrated when we wouldn't sign the card. And someone didn't sign the card. And, well, I, I, that's okay. I'm past that now. But I, but I want to thank you, whoever who left that gift in my, my office. And, and that afternoon, we, my family and I, we went to the pumpkin patch here locally. And my wife found out it was going to cost some money. She says, well, who's going to pay for this? I says, I don't know. Praise the Lord. Someone thought of us. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's wise. Don't get me wrong. Don't take away. Don't make that your takeaway. But someone thought of us. And it was a blessing. It was appreciated. It was a beautiful day. We, we spent time with our family. We had a lot of fun. My wife got pictures. And if she ever gets pictures, that's always a good thing. It was a good afternoon. So let us stop and care about others. Put them first. See, selfish ambition, uh, we read in Scripture, and envy are stirred up around us every day. I remember as a kid, I played uh, on an Atari 2600. Now that's more of a classic game. You can get all the games on one little joystick and plug it into your TV. And, and my, my kids are now playing what we used to call Tecmo Bowl, and they call it Retro Bowl. It's like, wow, I really am old. Um, but I remember the game systems, and I played ColecoVision. And it, and, but there was this one that came out called PlayStation. Remember when PlayStation came out? The original PlayStation. Now, the PlayStation wasn't good enough. Now there's PS2. And if you have a PS2, that was really great. But then they came out with a PS4. And, and then, I don't know what they have now. Is it a PS8 or whatever? I don't know what they even have anymore. It doesn't matter. My kids will tell you. The point is, if you had the smaller number, someone else had the bigger number, our, our world would tell us, oh, you should be envious of them. It would be wise if you figure out a way to get the new one. How, how, how can you get what's out there? We see it even with our phones in our pockets. I remember the first time I bought an iPhone. I had an iPhone 4. And now I have an older iPhone. I don't have the new one. But they keep adding numbers to them. They keep telling you how the next one's better, and it's bigger, and it's faster, and it might be. But I'm at the point in my life where I really don't need a whole lot bigger or faster. I, I like life to slow down a little bit, not get quicker. But even the world won't let you stay there, because now next year my phone's going to be obsolete, and they're not going to support it anymore. So they're going to make you buy a new one. That's what the world does. So the world speaks into our lives, and if you don't want to listen, they're going to keep coming. They're not going to be quiet. So we need to stop and care about others. We could be motivated by, by wanting the newest and the best, but that's selfish. What, what earthly wisdom tells us to chase after, God says, let go. Caring about others silences that voice of self. Second one is look. Look in the mirror. 
What do you see? Be honest about the influences in our lives, about the priorities or the voices that we hear, about the media outlets that we tune into, about the music that we listen to. I remember when I was at Mount Vernon as a freshman, uh, and I, I thank God I was naive as a, as a kid in high school, and I, I was sheltered in a lot of ways, but, but I had some musical choices, and, and I went to college, and, and, and I had a couple albums. I had Def Leppard on CD, and uh, I think he said, oh yeah, I can get out of here. And, and I had this roommate, his name was Jeff, and Jeff was a kid from Van Wert, Ohio, and um, he died in a car accident several years ago, much too early in life. And, and he, he, Jeff started to kind of ask me about my musical choices and what I was allowing into my, my mind, into my life, and I'd kind of all dismiss it, all it's just entertainment, it's not a big deal. And, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of me a few months later, and, and God says, I want you to get rid of that, that, that stuff, that music. Lord, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll go sell it. Because back then you could go sell your CDs. My kids were like, like what's, what's a CD? And, and, and I said, no, I don't want you to sell it. I want you to, go, I want you to get rid of it. I want you to throw it away. I want you to destroy it. God, that's a lot of money. But if I could go sell it, then I could give the money to the poor. God says, yeah, who are you kidding? <laughs> and I remember that night for, at, at, at college, we were at a service. I had to, had to go back to my, my apartment at that point. And I got my CDs out, and I, and I learned that night how hard it really is to break a CD. Unless you're five years old. If you're five years old, you can scratch or break anything. But, but if you're an adult, it's hard to break a CD. They're really tough. Uh, but I was out in the courtyard, and I was breaking these CDs in half. And it was kind of this freedom moment in my life of God saying, you don't need that. Get that voice out of your mind. You don't need to listen to that. There's other choices. We're good at justifying, though, aren't we? Just words, just music, not a big deal. Television shows we watch. The movies that we go to. The books that we read. The things that we choose to entertain us. All of them have a way of influencing us in ways that we don't realize. This is for our teens and our young people, <laughs> this is a little awkward, but I'm just going to be honest with you because God put it on my heart and I'm going to share it with you. you know, your parents tell you at times to wait to date, to take things slow, to, to be cautious, to not put yourselves in a situation where you are faced with decisions that you're not yet ready to make. But the world screams and yells at you, if it feels good, go do it. Or it screams, everyone's doing it. And if you're not doing it, then you're the oddball. You're kind of left out. So we want to get intimate. We want to get close. We start thinking about what sex looks like. But we're thinking about it in ways that you don't yet understand the consequences or, or, or the weight that an intimate relationship brings into your life. It's not a bad weight, but it's a real weight. And trust me, your parents understand how good it feels. That's why you're here. Okay? That, that part's real and it's true. I know, give it, trust me, I'm up here, I don't like this. But it, it is, it's what God's put on my heart. We're, we're not telling you this to, to punish you. We're not telling us to keep something from you. We're telling us because we love you. And wisdom says there should be boundaries and there should be guardrails till you're ready. The world says this is great, go for it. You're missing out. That's a voice we need to learn to control. The voice that says, wait, I've got something better for you. See, we can and do need to hear from those in our lives that are wise. And I recognize there's some lessons in our life that will only ever truly be learned from experiencing it ourselves. But I hope that our hope as parents is that we can spare you some of the pain and consequences that come from earthly unwise choices. About marriage for a moment. Talk to the teens, let's talk to the adults. Marriage in our culture today has become disposable. It's become a commodity. 
several years ago when I was still working at, in, in this, uh, as a chemist, I had a co-worker, my wife and I, we weren't married yet, but we were talking about getting married, we were engaged, about to be married, and I had a co-worker who had been married and divorced already, just a few years older than I was. He said, oh, I was married once. I looked at him, what? And he goes, neither one of us thought it would last very long. We thought it would be fun to try for a while. I remember thinking, wow, how sad. How sad, but there was a voice that spoke into their lives that was just something, eh, you don't like it, go try something else. It's not working, leave them. Go find someone else who will help you work. Or, you know, what's important is that you're happy. That's not what marriage is all about. This is happily ever after. It's a farce. That's what marriage is. Marriage is about fulfillment. Not with just one another, but in our relationship with God. Jesus Christ himself teaches us that marriage is a reflection of God's relationship with the church. The bride, we are the bride of Christ. But isn't that exactly what we see in our culture and churches today? Marriage and divorce stats from those in the church are not that different from those outside the church. Why is that? Why has it become so easy to walk away? So easy to dispose of it? If you're in a situation, I'm not speaking directly to you, please understand what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to drive home the point that we have voices that speak to us, that have convinced us it's okay. Instead of fighting like heaven to fix things, or humbling ourselves, or saying that we're sorry, we walk away. Because the voices tell us that there's something out there better waiting for us. What voices are speaking into your life today? Whether it be your work, or your employment, or, or, or your position, or, or are you looking to advance or to move up the ladder? Is that a selfish ambition? Not there's anything wrong with that. Maybe if it's to improve the life of your family, then that's a different conversation. But if it's just about the position or the money, eh. Here's what I find. When, when you are in the right place, when you're in relationship with God, in your middle of his will, God takes care of those details. When you're a person of integrity who works hard, you're going to get promoted. It's going to happen. God's timing and God's ways. But when it's envy and selfish ambition are motivating us, maybe the wrong voices speaking into our heads. We moved into our house a few months ago. We realized very quickly we didn't have enough furniture for it. We still don't have enough furniture, and that's okay. Uh, we're all right with that. Well, a couple weeks ago, I was looking for a new kitchen table. We want to put you a kitchen table. We have a little breakfast area. We want to put a table in. We have a little folding table there now. It, it's not really working, so I've been looking for a new table and went shopping for a table. I found one I liked, and it was more money than I really wanted to spend. But I had convinced myself I needed that table. But I've also learned that as you're shopping, you find something you like, that you always go back and you ask your wife what she thinks, and she says, well, that's a lot of money. Maybe we don't really need to spend that much money on a table, and I'm thankful that my wife is wise. <laughs> is, that on, is that on video? I got that on video, right? <laughs> and I didn't buy the table. I bought a table yesterday, $65. So the next two days, we're going to sand that down, and we're going to end up painting that table. We're going to make it work. That's wisdom. Not from me, but from that other voice that's always in my head of a wise wife. Stop, look. The third one's listen. Well, we all listen. Every day we listen. Even your mom and dad might tell you that you don't listen, but you're listening to something. We have to ask us, what are we listening to? What voices have our attention? There's the account of Elijah in the Old Testament. Elijah's just had this incredible victory in Mount Carmel. 
where the fire has fallen from heaven. Get into all of the details of that. But after that, uh, he, he receives word that Jezebel is going to kill him. She's not too happy. And in the midst of this great God moment, Elijah gets afraid and he starts to run away. And he runs and he runs and he runs. And finally, he ends up in this cave and, and God shows up and, and he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah starts to complain. Says, oh, Lord, you just think you're not going to believe what's going to happen. Jezebel's out to kill me. And there's this voice from Elijah's head that he's bought into that. And Elijah says, have you forgotten what I've done for you? And God says, Elijah, go to the, go to the mouth of the cave and, and I'm going to pass by. And I don't want you to miss it. And when he goes to the mouth of the cave and there's this big earthquake, but God's not in the earthquake. There's, there's fire from heaven and God's not in the fire. There's a big windstorm, and God's not in the wind. After all of these big things pass by, the Holy Spirit enters, and God whispers. Elijah hears him. See, God's found in the silence, in the quiet, in, in, in solitude. And as we close this morning, we're just going to take a time to pray. And as Amy comes, we're going to get ready to pray. But here's what we're going to do. For, for about 90 seconds, we're going to be quiet. It's hard, isn't it? Think about that. Oh, that's not very long. You're going to find out how long 90 seconds of silence is in this room. And this might be the only 90 seconds of silence you have all day long without any other voices. What I want to do is create this opportunity for God to speak to you so that you could hear his voice. So that when you leave, you can leave as being among those who are wise among us giving up our envy, our jealousy, and our selfish ambition. Allowing God to reveal to us what voices are in our heads and which ones shouldn't be there. What influences we might need to go home today and destroy in our front yard. What shows we might need to quit watching. Or social media accounts we might need to turn off for a while. Because as you leave this place, make no mistake about it, you are going to continue to hear voices all day long. ones are you going to listen to? James is so practical, so simple. We just have to be willing to listen. Give God the space. I'm get out my watch, my clock. And for 90 seconds, I invite you to stand with me. We're going to pray. Often when we talk about prayer, it's about us talking, filling God in on what's going on, giving him our list. What might our lives look like if part of our times of prayer were us just stopping listening? Let's listen in this morning. Father, we come to you. God, we ask you to speak to us. Your voice, the only one we want in our head at this moment.
Father, I pray that you will give us humility to have an honest conversation. Give us the courage, the boldness to act on what it is you've spoken to us about. James asks this question, who among you is wise? He follows that up with, okay, then show me by what you do. Help us, Lord, to be doers. The humble heart. First, Lord, caring for others. Looking into our own lives, acknowledging the voices that have influence or a place at the table that don't belong. Father, we could tell the difference. We know what's true. We can recognize the lie. Pray, Father, today that you will help us just to see and, and to compare those influences in our lives to the list that you've given us. They'd be pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy. Fruitful, impartial, here. Lord, how different our life would look. How different, Lord, our lives may need to look today. God, I pray we wouldn't just be hearers of the word today, Lord, but we'd be doers. We might need to go home and change some things this afternoon. Help us not to put it off. Lord, we, I, I know us, Lord. We, you know us. And our tendency is we'll, we'll step away from this. We'll give us some room. And those voices will creep back in and they'll convince us that it's all right. That we don't need to or that we can do it later. God, I pray you would move. You would go before us. You would show us. Again, Lord, not to punish us or to keep something from us. But Lord, because you love us. You give us boundaries to protect us, God. And I pray today we would act upon that. be honored and glorified in us, your people, your church, the bride of Christ. I pray today that we would leave this morning as wise, filled with heavenly wisdom. Lord, the world would notice and see something different in us. We could get to introduce them to you. the voice in our head today, Lord, be yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. May you leave as the wise among us this morning. Have a great day.